We're going to begin our One Life series, talking about how one life can make a difference and how your life can make a difference. And let me just ask you a few questions and let you ponder them. Do you know what your purpose is? If someone asks you, what is your greatest and highest purpose that God has put you on the earth for, could you answer that question? Do you know specifically what God's called you to do? Do you know what your gifts are and your abilities? And furthermore, are you fulfilling the purpose that God has for you? Are you going to stand before His throne one day and say, as Paul said, I have finished the work. I did everything that you called me to do. I knew on earth, I went through classes, I got in your word, I spent time in your presence, and I understood what you wanted me to do, and I did it. And I rearranged my schedule so that I could give time to it and be involved in it. What I'm asking you to do in this One Life series is to give your life to God. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. Most of us here have given our hearts, but I want you to give your life. Your life means your time. That's your life. When you could be doing something else, will you do something for God? It means your talent. It means the gift that God's given you. It means your treasure. It means everything that's a part of your life. Will you not just say, Lord, yes, I want you to have my heart, and I believe in you, and I want to go to heaven. But will you come to the place where you say, my life is yours. I am your servant on this earth, and I'll do anything you want me to do. That's what we're talking about during this One Life series, all right? And I want to show you a person in Scripture, one life that made a difference. And you probably wouldn't have thought that this is the person I would have chosen to start this series with, but I really like this person a lot. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who have entered your house For they've come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened at the gate, while the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I don't know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Now, here's the person that... I want to talk to you about whose one life made a difference. You figure out which one it was in there? Rahab. Here's a heathen woman. Doesn't know anything about God. Lives in a heathen culture, a heathen society. And God looks down and finds this woman that he can use. And you'll see later why he knew he could use her. And it's a good thing that he picked out a pagan to to take care of this, to figure out this plan. Don't falter. She's a pagan at this time, all right? But she's a harlot. It would seem like if you were God and you looked down, you could find someone better than a lady of the evening to fulfill your great purpose on earth. But it really doesn't matter to God about what she has been involved in. It matters what she will be involved in and what her heart is. And He found her heart. Well, let's talk about a few things about Rahab, all right? 
these we can all relate to. Number one, she had a bad past. Would you agree with that? She had a bad past. The Bible tells us she was a harlot. There is one letter different in the Hebrew between harlot and hostess. A lot of the Hebrew rabbis have tried to change this to hostess because they don't really like that a harlot helped Israel. The only problem with that is, is the word in the Hebrew is harlot. And in the New Testament, she's mentioned three times and two of them say, and Rahab the harlot. So they're not letting it go. Okay, She's a harlot. That's what she does. All right. But let me give you a little bit of understanding. She is living in a culture where harlotry is not considered immoral. It's the truth. In the culture and the society she is living in, harlotry was not considered immoral. As a matter of fact, it was considered a way of life that when men traveled, that's what they did. When they were away from their spouses, and it was not considered evil or sinful. She operated an inn. That's why the rabbis wanted to say she was hospitable. She went a little overboard, though, in her hospitality, according to the standards of God's laws. But she had an inn. And this is where when men would travel, they would stop at her inn. And that's why the spies went there, by the way, is because they could check into the hotel and not arouse much suspicion. Which, by the way, I don't know if you ever had this thought, is why did the spies go to the harlot's house? It's because she ran an inn. Nothing immoral happened. I think the Bible would have told us if something like that would have happened. So they go there and they stay. She's also a very industrious woman. She dyes fabrics and she sells those fabrics. And she probably buys fabrics from the men who are traveling and from the seafaring men that stay. That's why she had flax drying on her roof because she was drying the flax to use for dye. And that's where she hid the men under those flax. Now, I'm saying she had a bad past. The problem is that many, many, many of us, and we've talked about this before, is we compare ourselves to others and we say, well, we're not as bad as that person. But according to Scripture, we all have a bad past. I don't want you to ever get away from that. And I can just prove it to you, because we live in a fallen world, all of us have had things happen to us in the past we wish would not have happened. Would you agree with that? All of us have done things we wish we had not have done. All of us have said things we wish we had not have said. Because we live in a fallen world. And here's the great thing I want you to know. Every person, every person other than the Son of God, all right? Every person God used in this book had a bad past. There's not one that had a good past. They all had a bad past. And let me just name you one that God really used that sort of had a bad past. Paul. Would you agree with that? All right, let me tell you. Here's what Paul said. If you're going to fulfill your purpose and you have a bad past, and all of us do, here's what Paul said you have to do. Philippians 3.13 Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Now, this is amazing. The Apostle Paul says, here's the main thing I do. I forget the things which are behind me, and I reach forward to the things which are ahead. Forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward. Here's what I want you to know. If you're ever going to fulfill your purpose for God, you're going to have to forget your past. And I've got a great reason for you to forget your past. God has. 
If God doesn't think it's important enough to bring up again, why should you bring it up again? I can remember even something that happened to me in my past that, yes, I've gotten over, but I would think about. But if I ever could talk to that person again, I would let that person know that all the wrong things that that person did. And I, I just going through it over and over in my mind. And I just felt like the Lord said, this is still bringing it up. This is still bringing it up. And when are you going to stop bringing it up? And then he said to me something really strong. He said, okay, it's not helping you for me to tell you not to do it. Let's, let's just take it a step further here, Robert. Every time you bring this up, it's a sin. Now you stop it. Forget your past and go forward. God has a purpose for you and you can fulfill it if you'll get over your past. I don't care who you are today. If you will let go of your past, God can use you. Here's the second thing this woman had. She had a great future. Would you agree with that? Especially when you contrast her past. She had a great future. Everyone in God who comes to God has a great future. Now, Joshua 2, verse 8. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. Now watch this declaration. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Okay, can I just tell you something? She just got saved. She believed in her heart, and she confessed with her mouth. Is that right? That's why God knew. God was looking down at this city, Jericho, and they all heard. They had all heard the report, but one woman decided to believe the report. See, they were all scared, but there's a difference in being scared of God and giving Him your life. I don't want to go to hell. I'm scared. Well, that's not going to get you saved. There's the difference in, okay, you can now have control of my life. Now I will do something. You realize how much faith it took for this woman to risk her life, her life to save these guys? She had to step out in faith. And that's the only way that you're going to enter your future is to step out in faith. There is no other way. When I was at another church as associate pastor and everything was fine and everything was great and God was saying, leave the church, travel for a season, and then start another church, I had to step out in faith. And I was 38 years old at the time. Who knew what was going to happen? I had no idea what was going to happen. All I knew was if I was going to fulfill God's purpose for my life, I was going to have to step out in faith. And I'm telling you, it's the same with you. Every person here, if you're ever going to fulfill God's purpose in your life, you've got to step out in faith. You know, this woman, the way she heard about this probably was because she was the innkeeper. And these men, would, people would travel through, and I'm sure she'd ask every one of them, have you heard anything about the Israelites? Tell me everything you've heard. Did you hear that their God dried up the Red Sea and then buried Pharaoh and his army, the strongest army in the world? And then one of the travelers said, well, did you hear what they did to Sihon? No. What did they do to him? I mean, this is every week she's hearing this until she comes to the point of faith. Now, I said she's mentioned three times in the New Testament. All right? 
I'm going to show you all three in this message. Here's one of the times she's mentioned. Hebrews 11, verse 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Why didn't she perish? Because she believed. The others didn't believe. They had the chance to. They didn't believe. By the way, this is the hall of faith. We call the hall of faith. A harlot got into the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. It's pretty good, isn't it? James 2, he takes faith a little farther here. James 2, verse 25. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Now, let me tell you what James does. James is the pastor of the Jerusalem church, and all these people began to come into the Jerusalem church that said they had faith and believed in God, but they didn't work. They didn't do anything. They didn't have works to go along with it. Their faith wasn't active. And so James, when he writes, he writes this, and he says, I just want you to know something. Faith without works is dead. If your faith is not active, it's dead. And here's what I want to tell every one of you here today. I know most of you say, I believe in God. I want to just tell you something. If you're not doing something, you don't believe. Faith without works is dead. If any of you disagree with that, go argue with God. I didn't write it. I just quoted it to you. If you're not doing something, your faith is dead. Faith without works is dead. By the way, James chooses two people. Two people to illustrate this point. Abraham and Rahab. I wonder how Rahab felt in heaven when they said, Did you know your name got in the Bible again? Not only did you get in the hall of faith, but James uses you, and he uses you with one other person. Abraham. You're up there with Abraham. It's probably the way I first started feeling when I'd get invited to some of these conferences and I'd look at the brochure of who else was speaking. I remember taking a brochure and I went into Debbie. I said, look whose name my name's beside. <laughs> I just can't even believe I'm right. Look at that. I'm right there beside the guy, you know. That's probably what Rahab did going around heaven. Did you see my name in the Bible? Right beside Abraham. Beside Abraham. But if you want your faith to be active, you're going to have to do something. Now, here's one of our greatest desires during this One Life series. That wherever you are, you'll take a step up. Wherever you are, you'll take a step up. In other words, if you attend here, but you haven't gone through Catch the Vision, become a member, we want you to go through Catch the Vision, become a member. If you've gone through Catch the Vision, but you're not going through Journey and Discovery, we want you to go through Journey and Discovery. If you're not in a group, we want you to get in a group. If you're in a group, we want you to pray about leading a group, starting a group. If you're not serving on the altar ministry team, we want you to serve on the altar ministry team. If you're not an usher, listen to me. Right now, because we started another service, we need a lot of ushers. It is not difficult. It's not high responsibility, but it is high benefits because you get to help people. And that's the highest thing you can do in the kingdom of God is to help people. And there's a lot of you that are new here that say, well, I just don't know where to serve yet. Just be an usher. Just call. How many of you want to sign up right now? Should we just raise hands? Okay, I'll let you think about it just a little bit. And if you're married, your spouse, you should just punch her or him and say, you can do that. You always talk to people. (laughs) Just take a step up. If you're not tithing, start tithing. 
I have such a heart for people who got their finances in a total mess and think they can't afford to tithe and don't realize that's the way out of the mess. It's to get the blessing of God on your finances. Why would you expect someone to bless you when you're stealing from Him? Whew, that, that's just free. That just... Okay, here's the last one. She fulfilled her purpose. She fulfilled her purpose. If I asked you what her purpose was, you would probably tell me the obvious one here. Her purpose was to save the spies. Eh, that's one, that was one of her minor purposes. Actually, by the way, the spies' purpose was to save her. They didn't need to spy out Jericho. Their battle plan didn't work. <laughs> it was God's battle plan. Why did God have Joshua send two spies in? Just to save this woman. Just to save this woman. Because she believed. Because there was a woman, one woman in this city that would confess with her mouth and believe in her heart that God was God. And God said, I'm not leaving her in there. If she's one of mine, she gets out. And he sends two spies in. But that wasn't her purpose. Her purpose was something that many of you may have never even heard or ever even thought of. Have you ever heard of a man named Boaz? And he married Ruth. It's, it's, one, it's a great love story in the Bible. It's preached at all the women's conferences. <laughs> Boaz and Ruth. Do you know who Boaz's father was? A man named Salmon. Do you know who Boaz's mother was? Rahab. And let me just show you a little more of the lineage here, alright? Watch this. This is the third time she's mentioned in the Bible. It's actually the first, but I'm showing it to you last. Matthew 1, verse 5. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab... Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. That's pretty good. Now, when we talk about her purpose, let's talk about her dreams for a minute. Do you think she dreamed of being a wife and a mother? Sure she did. you think she played house when she was a little girl? Sure. Do you think she dreamed of meeting a man that would treat her special? Do you think she dreamed of falling in love and having a romance story of her own? Sure. She dreamed of being a mother and a grandmother. Here's what I want you to understand about her purpose. That was God's dream too. God's dream for you is the dream that's in your heart, but better. God's dream for you is a dream that's in your heart, but better. Listen, she wanted to be a mother and a grandmother. She became the great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother of a king. Oh, and here's a little more. Not only was in her descendants a king, but the king. Now, how much bragging do you think she's doing in heaven? Did y'all see Matthew? That's me right there. I was a pagan. 
I was away from God. But I heard, I believed, and I acted on that faith. You have a purpose. God has a purpose for you. And here's what I want you to know. It's a good purpose. It is a great purpose. If you will do what God has called you to do, I'm telling you, you'll love it. You will absolutely love it. It will be the highest point of your life. Every person is running around on this earth, including lost people that don't even know God yet. Every person is trying to find out what his or her purpose is. Every person. Every person wants to fulfill his purpose on this earth. And what I'm telling you is, until you fulfill your purpose, you won't be fulfilled. You will buy more and more junk until you find out what your true purpose is and start fulfilling that purpose. And this is our desire for our One Life series, is that every person gets involved and begins fulfilling his purpose and her purpose for the Lord. I used to go to a church where we preached so strongly, and I believe this, but we went through an emphasis where so strongly that every member is a minister. And that the pastors of the church are just the equippers. And our role is to equip every member to be a minister. And so for a season, here's what we did. This was so cool. We equipped everyone to be a minister in the church, the whole church. And for a season, this is what we would do at the end of the service. We would say, if you're a guest here and you'd like to pray with one of the ministers after the service, we want you to know who the ministers are so you can pray with one of the ministers. Would the ministers raise their hands? And the whole church would raise their hands. And we would say, now you see these people here? These are the ministers. And then we'd say, oh, now these guys up here on the platform, they're the equippers. So you don't have to get to one of them to pray, because actually what they do is they equip people to minister. All these people are the ministers. So if you'd like to get saved, when we close the service, just turn to the person beside you and say, I'd like to get saved. And that person right there can minister to you. Wouldn't it be great to have a church full of people on fire for God and every person using His gift for God? Wouldn't that be great? Now, one other thing, then we're finished. I named this message One Thread. There's a reason. Joshua 2, verse 17. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless we come into the land. When we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord. But let me tell you what the Hebrew word actually is. Thread. In the window through which you let us down. The translators changed the word to cord because they figured two men on one thread probably wouldn't work. But what it was, was a cord made of threads, made of fabric, made of material. Remember, she made fabric. And it was scarlet. The deepest red, the bluest red you can get, actually the color of blood. Have you ever heard of the scarlet thread of redemption? Runs from Genesis to Revelation. It means that in every book of the Bible, you can find that God has this plan for redeeming man with his own blood. This is where it comes from, though. From a harlot that took a piece of material and let the spies down with, and it was scarlet. Let me tell you just a couple things about scarlet. Isaiah says, though your sins be as scarlet, the deepest red there is, 
they're going to be white as snow. You want to know why? Because the blood's going to cover them. Do you know when they took Jesus to the cross, they stripped his own robe off of him? And Matthew tells us that they put another robe on him to lead him to the cross. you know what color it was? Scarlet. You know what that symbolized? Though your sins be as he was putting on our sins. So we could take them off. You have a purpose. Your purpose begins by believing. And your purpose continues by acting on what you believe. If you attend here, I want you to become a minister. I want you to find a place of service and begin serving. I want you to find out what your gifts are and begin leading in those gifts. I want you to know your one life can make a difference. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe you're here and you're like Rahab. Maybe you have a bad past and you need to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. Maybe not only do you need to have faith, but you need to take a step of action. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and after I pray, we're going to sing. And when we sing, we're going to have people here at the front, ministers, who can pray for you. And I want you to make up your mind right now, if you're away from God, you're not walking with God, or there's something in your life that you need to get right between you and God, that you're going to come to one of these at the front and say, I need to get this right. I got a bad past. I want a great future. And the reason I'm asking you to come to the front and let us pray for you is, I'm asking you to put works to your faith. I'm asking you to do something. Make a step. Don't just sit in your seat and say, I believe. But step out and come. So you make up your mind right now that if you're away from God in any way, or if there's something between you and, your, you and God, you're going to come and let us minister to you, all right? If you need prayer for any other reason, you can come. And as soon as we stand, altar ministry, you make your way to the front as quickly as possible so you'll be ready to minister. So I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand. And as soon as we stand up, you just step out and come. Right then, as soon as we stand up, just step out and come and let us minister to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll draw every person who needs to come in Jesus' name. Amen.